Help us to hear afresh by your Holy Spirit what you would say in each of our lives and hearts. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Guys in the van, thank you. I saw a couple of church notices during the week, and uh, I thought they were good, especially in sort of our theme of unity today. Uh, Tweet others as you want to be tweeted. And uh, then another one was uh, purported to be from God himself. Just love everyone. I'll sort them out later. So this is a five-week series, Abundant Life, and we're really looking at our kingdom culture. And by kingdom culture, we mean what is God making us into individually and as a community? And we have those sort of five culture words that we've been talking about over the last number of years. And every September, we visit these five cultures, generosity, unity, integrity, humility, and authority. Our desire is that when people look at us as a church, that's what they think of. These people are generous, they're united, they're full of integrity, they're humble, and they're full of otherworldly authority. That's what we want people to be thinking, not just to uh, draw them to Christ, but most importantly, to give glory to God. So last week, we thought about generosity, and we did give your all, the sign of the cross, recognizing that Christ gave himself for us, and so in response, we give our all to him. Christ has been us to be passionate people. We're designed to be passionate. In Northern Ireland, sometimes we bury that under lots of stuff, but actually, if, if the challenges of the last 30 or 40 years show us anything in Northern Ireland, it's that, boy, we are passionate. We just don't let the passion show very much, but, boy, we are passionate people. But sometimes in our British-Irishness, we are very subdued. It's all very under wraps, but doesn't take long to scratch the surface under us in Northern Ireland to discover we may not come across it at first, but boy, we are really passionate people. And we're made to be passionate. God made us passionate to people who give our all. Today, we're thinking about unity. Last week, we made popcorn to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ, like a kernel of wheat, was willing to be buried in the soil, in other words, to be crucified to bring about new life for millions and billions of people. And we're here today because Christ died for us. He gave us all, and He calls us in response to give our all to Him. But He's broken down not just the dividing wall between us and our Heavenly Father, brought us into the presence of our our glorious, loving Father. He's also broken down the dividing walls between us and one another. He's created a new world of unity between human beings, And we know what it looks like when people aren't united in our family lives, in our national lives, in our day-to-day lives, in our community. We know what it looks like when there's not unity. Unity is a beautiful thing, but unity only perfectly exists in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we're invited through Christ. We are actually brought into Christ, and therefore we are brought into the community of unity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? the one place that is eternal. That's why we know we are confident that we have eternal life, because we're in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. 
and Christ in the God, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit is a perfect community. It's the only place of eternity. And being in Christ means we are safe in Christ in the midst of the community of unity. And so that's why we shared those words, the peace, about the fact that we find our peace in Christ. And we're called to join the family. And join the family, we didn't do it with the children, I forgot to do it, but the actions are that we basically, it's about embracing. Join the family is about embracing people into the family of God. Just as Christ has embraced us, so we embrace others into the family of God. And it's wonderful to see the culture of welcome that we have in this church. And people often comment on our friendliness. And it's about being the family of God. The bar that Jesus Christ has set for us is as high as it will go. And we heard it read, Josh read it for us in our Bible reading. Jesus saying to his friends, this is my commandment love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, in some countries in the world today, there will be Christians who will be being tortured, and they will have a choice. Do I tell the people who are torturing me where my church is meeting? Or do I be tortured and perhaps die and not tell them? There are people today, Christians, who will lay down their lives this week for their brothers and sisters to protect their lives. Thankfully, you and I will probably never have to do that. But nonetheless, we are called to lay down our lives for each other. And we do that by thousands of little decisions. We say, my preferences and my comforts, I'm willing to put those to death for the sake of my brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus means when he says, lay down your life for one another. He knew that it wouldn't necessarily mean that people would be crucified, although many were in the early church. He's saying, die to yourself. Put your own preferences and comforts aside for the sake of the people who are around you in the body of Christ. So we're called to lay down our lives, and the New Testament gives about a hundred very practical one another exhortations or commands as to how to go about that. Here's my top 20 for us today, and this is what either Jesus or one of his disciples has said in the New Testament for us to do. Love one another be devoted to one another, be at peace with one another, don't grumble among one another, be of the same mind with one another, don't bite, devour, and consume one another, that's figurative language, don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. I love this one from Ephesians 4, be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another. Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against each other, James says. Confess sins to one another. Serve one another. Be subject to one another. Pray for one another. I've been really encouraged over these last number of weeks and our people have come up to me and said, 
Nigel, I want you to know I pray for you every day. And I've really, I've been so encouraged by that. So I just want to say thank you and want us to be a people who pray for each other. And be hospitable to one another. Encourage and build one another up. Speak truth to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Spur on one another to love and good deeds. As a church, we have tried to produce five values, and the value which is to do with community and unity is hopefully going to come on the screen. We value a church community with a deep sense of love, support, and responsibility for one another. It sounds logical, it sounds basic in terms of the life of the church, but you know, it's very different than the world at large. The world at large presents the concept of tolerance, and it's a very, very influential concept in our world. It shapes our political landscape, it shapes the moral landscape in society, and when we first hear about tolerance, it sounds like a good idea. But tolerance actually falls so far short of Christ's teaching. Because at the heart of the concept of tolerance is basically this. You do your thing. You live your life. I am not responsible for you. You make your decisions. Even if they're detrimental to you, it's nothing to do with me. You make your decisions. You're free to do what you want to do. It has nothing to do with me. The only thing that I will bring up is that if what you do directly has negative consequences on me, and then you will know all about it. That is the way our world works today. But the trouble is, it never leads to love. It never leads to close relationships. It develops a victim mentality. It also develops a sense of there's no community. You know, there, there are really a number of ways to, to live in community. One is you have a common set of values. And the other is you have a common sense of responsibility towards one another. Now, the concepts which govern modern society include neither of those. So, for instance, because of the concept of tolerance, basically it says is there are no common values. There are no ground rules. Everyone's free to do what they're they should do or want to do as long as it doesn't hurt me. But if there are no common shared values, there can be no community. Every community has to have shared common values. And the second thing is you can only have a community if there's a sense of responsibility toward one another. Modern concepts of society are you do your thing it has nothing to do with me. 
if there is no sense of responsibility towards one another, there can be no community. And that's why there is such loneliness, why there is such isolation, why there is such despair, because what sounds good in society at first, actually when you dig down into it, you discover there is no unity, there is no community, there is no responsibility, and there is no love. But you and I get to model something entirely different to the world. You and I get to model what it looks like when people love each other with the same love that Christ loves us with. It is such a powerful thing whenever brothers and sisters dwell together in unity and say, you know what? I am responsible for the people who are around me. I'm not responsible for all their decisions. I'm not responsible for their eternal salvation. But I'm responsible to care for them and pray for them and love them and encourage them and to be there for them and to carry their burdens and to submit to them. I'm there for them. That's who we are as the body of Christ. And the world is crying out for true community. But there's only one place to be found, and that is in Jesus Christ. The way of the world is a, is a ruthless way. It's an individualistic way. But we've discovered that Christ has brought us into the place where He is the Good Shepherd. And there's those wonderful verses that we've discovered that the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. Last week we talked about the fact that we live in a sin-broken and skewed world. And so we rely on Jesus to tell us what is right and what is wrong. We rely on Scripture to tell us what is right and what is wrong, what, how God guides us. We, we don't trust our own faculty for judgment because it's broken. That's why we need to listen to the voice of God, and we need to read Scripture, because our faculty for knowing right from wrong is corrupted and broken. We need the voice of Christ into our lives. We need to read Scripture to have our sense recalibrated so we know how to live and we know how to make decisions in our day-to-day -day lives. Jesus communicates to us in all sorts of ways. He is alive today. The fact that He's risen from the dead proves the fact that we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. He speaks to us through dreams, visions, Scripture. He speaks to us through circumstances, prayer. He speaks to us through the church, through our brothers and sisters. He speaks to us specifically in that through the fivefold ministries of apostles, and evangelists, and teachers, and pastors, and prophets. I think I've said all five. The Lord loves us, and so He guides us into life 
by correcting our past and by showing us how to steer away from danger and how to steer towards what gives abundant life. The Lord's our good shepherd, and he has, as the psalm says, he has a rod and he has a staff. The staff was designed for the shepherd to pull back the sheep from the edge of the cliff, basically come back into a place of safety. That's what the staff was for. The rod was, was to beat the sheep, to put them away from the place, to get them away from the wolf coming and get them into the pen or whatever. And the Lord works the same way in our lives. As C.S. Lewis says, pain is God's megaphone. There will come a time if we keep stepping into destructive places that we will feel the rod of God. And we may feel that by, by sensing a deep unease in our spirits. We may realize that we just feel empty. We may feel that the presence of the Lord is far from us. Or we start to realize that we are stepping into places of pain, physical pain, destructive pain, relational pain, loneliness, isolation. The Lord sometimes allows us to experience these things so that we realize, we come awake and realize the Lord loves us and He is seeking to steer us away from what is damaging in our lives and to steer us into abundant life. The Lord loves you and I so much that He longs for us to come into a place of everlasting life. He is the Good Shepherd. As I've been praying, here's what I believe the Lord has been saying to us as a church. Their words of Scripture, their words of Jesus and His disciples. Words like this from John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. I am the Lord who heals you. Jesus also says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You must consecrate yourselves, the Lord says in Leviticus, and be holy because I am holy. Encourage and build up one another. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. That's from Hebrews. More verses from Hebrews. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow because that would certainly not be to your benefit. And also from Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Direct your children onto the right path, it says in Proverbs, and when they're older, they will not leave it. The thief's purpose, said Jesus, referring to the devil, 
is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. This is my command, says Jesus. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is calling us out of broken life into abundant life. He speaks to us all the time, particularly if we're willing to listen to Him in the place of prayer and reading scriptures and entering into deep fellowship with, with each other. He speaks into our lives. He's like our personal trainer in the gym. He shows us the areas of our lives that need to be built up he tells us what to eat, what to avoid, how to get good rest, how to become stronger in the faith. The Spirit of Christ is like our personal trainer. He wants us to live an abundant life. If we're willing to step out of the broken life and leave it all behind and not return to it and step into the fullness of life that He has for us. That will only happen if we're willing to obey Him. It will only happen if we're willing to hear His voice and do His will. Otherwise, we will find ourselves living in pain that we need not live in. So, if you're willing to obey Jesus Christ, then hear this word of encouragement this morning. You're God's beloved child made in His image and for His glory. The one who made the whole universe, who put stars and galaxies in their place, utterly adores you. He knows the number of hairs on your head and has written down each one of your days. Nothing you could do could make Him love you more. By His pleasure and perfect will, you are now forgiven for every single thing you have ever done wrong. And He has chosen to forget those things as if they never happened. You are washed whiter than snow. You are holy and without blame, a brand new creation. Jesus has brought you to Himself and you're always welcome to come close. You have complete access to all that He is, His grace, wisdom, strength, blessing, kindness, and comfort. You get to hear His voice, know His heart, receive His guidance, and be strengthened by His joy. He is with you in the fire, surrounding you in the storm, guiding you home when you are lost, and pouring out power into your weakness. You are strong, loved, chosen, safe, victorious, accepted. You are blessed. You are more than a conqueror, a joint heir with Christ, His trusted ambassador, and His friend. You are empowered to transform culture, release the impossible, call down miracles and win every battle. 
Your prayers are powerful. Your words bring breakthrough, and your calling is sure. This is heaven's narrative over you. If God says it, it is true. This is who you are because of Him. Let's pray together.